San Diego's talk radio leader, 760 KFMB presents It's Your Money and Your Life. For the next hour, Richard Musio and Joe Vecchio will educate and inform you on matters related to your financial future, your life, and your leisure. Now, with It's Your Money and Your Life, here are Richard and Joe. All right. Good evening, everybody. My name is Joe Vecchio, your co-host, announcer, and producer, coming to you from KFMB Studios with 50,000 watts of power. We're heard not just in San Diego County, but Orange County, L.A. County, up the coast of Seattle on a good night, down to Cabo, out to the desert. And if you download the app for 760KFMB, you can hear us on uh, your smartphone or other device. We stream live on 760KFMB.com, and all these podcasts can be heard on IYMoney.com, commercial-free. And now time to introduce the main man of the hour, who, by the way, is not here tonight because he had to go pick up his daughter at college and bring her home so uh, he's off for uh, for a couple of weeks but um, anyway Richard as you know is a CPA extraordinaire and a philanthropist and a and a best-selling author and an accomplished marathon runner but and uh, we hope he's doing well and uh, boy what we had a pretty good week this week um, went to the Padres game which we'll talk about in a little bit hey I'll get right to my first guest because uh, I know he's been he's been making the media rounds this week because his show just premiered on KPBS He's a director and a graduate of San Diego State's film department and is a terrific person. His name is Ben Moxley. Ben, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> Our absolute pleasure. So, well, let's tell, yeah, no, I know you're, uh, I think you've been following the Cubs and the Blackhawks a little bit here. You're a native of uh, Chicago, right? Yeah, re- born and raised from Chicago, just outside the city, and then came out here for school about five years ago. Arlington Heights, correct? Correct. All right. <laughs> so you're following the the Blackhawks a little bit, or you've been busy with the with the show mostly. Um, I always tune in to see my favorite sports team. So <laughs> you watched that that triple overtime the other night, right? Yeah, that one took up uh, a little more time than I had planned, but it was a great game. Yeah, I was down with the the crazies at uh, Seven Ten Beach Club, uh, all the Chicago fans, and uh, I couldn't stay for the for the sixth period because I wanted to get home and see the Letterman show. I think that was his last night or second. I'm trying to think now. Was that his second to last? I think it was, yeah. Anyway, um, you know, if you want to see grown adults wearing, uh, you know, sports jerseys, acting acting stupid, then um, uh, come on. You all you can go to the Charger game or you can come <laughs> <laughs> or go to the 710 Beach Club. It, it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, in any case, Ben, uh, tell us about the, well, the curriculum. I, I don't think enough people know. The film department uh, at San Diego State is really outstanding. Um uh, I know Professor Durbin over there, and they've turned out tons of great, successful graduates like Kathleen Kennedy, who's probably one of the most powerful women in Hollywood. But um, so it's quite a legacy there. Uh, but tell us about the program. You, 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 you all four years. How many courses in the film department? And um, um, well, one thing that's really unique about the San Diego uh, film program, as opposed to some other film schools, is that they kind of let you try out different um, roles in filmmaking they Hmm. they'll let you be a producer a director an editor until you actually find the one that you want to stick with Hmm. so you aren't forced to choose one right away which um, really was great for me because um, I originally thought I wanted to do editing but I got into directing a little bit and lo and behold now I'm directing a tv show on KPBS (laughs) well I I know it's uh I think I talked to Greg Durbin about that. As a matter of fact, uh, there are four hours of uh, student films. They're on YouTube right now. I know they aired locally on City TV 24. I, I actually was lucky enough to host the show with uh, Professor Durbin. But it's called The Real Deal, R-double-E Deal. If you just Google that and, uh, or go on YouTube, search that, and maybe put in San Diego, 
because we're not the only real deal out there. If I had known there were other real deals, <laughs> I would have uh, distinguished the title. But anyway, there's a lot of good films, and I think one that you were even in or worked on uh, as well. So, But uh, they chose like the best 26 out of the 125 or 130 films uh, to get on there. But So tell us, uh, I guess uh, you worked on about 20, 25 films in your whole career at at uh, San Diego State, right? Yeah, um, each different class we would produce about two or three different films and um, then when you get up to your upper divisions then you get to to focus more on one or two ones but um, mm-hmm. yeah we we made a lot of different things a lot of bad things before we ever made a, a good piece so um, it's it was a good learning experience and uh, I really wouldn't have uh, chosen a different school if I could do it all over again. Well, it's probably one of the best ones in the whole country when you come right down to it, right? I mean, how many other great film schools are out there? There aren't that many. Yeah, I mean, you have uh, NYU, I believe, is, mm-hmm. a, is a good one, and then uh, Columbia, too. Um, but for me, I wanted to uh, choose a school that offered kind of a, a full university experience, whereas uh, Columbia is more a fine arts school and everything, and I wanted to, mm-hmm. I wanted to take some courses in some other, other things as well, which was nice. Mm-hmm. Now, we had Jerry Sanders on this show when he was mayor. It was his last show as mayor, by the way. And, of course, he is a, a big beer aficionado. And, um, you know, he called it the year of the beer. And it actually helped nurture the industry and, and grow here. Uh, what? How did you discover that and, and to make that one of your film projects, which actually developed into this series? But um, how did you discover that? Um, The craft beer industry in San Diego? Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Well, it was originally introduced to me by my my dad. Actually, he was he's a big beer fan. Um, <laughs> but the first beer he ever had me try was Guinness, and I it automatically put like a bad taste in my mouth because I it was something I never had before. It was darker. It was right. It was different. And um, once you start to explore this new side of like different things, it's kind of uh, addictive. Like, but how did you how did you uh, discover it in San Diego? Though? In San Diego, yeah. in San Diego, it's. It was really just the city itself because they've been so supportive of uh, craft beer. They mm-hmm. let uh, craft beer um, be at all over Petco Park. Um, all right. So where'd you get the idea to do your short, your short for your film project? Were you out one night drinking with some friends <laughs> and said, "Hey, we ought to do a film"? Or well, what? one of our professors uh, in our documentary class was like, "Pick something you find interesting and go do it." And um, being college kids at the time, I'm sure. Uh, making a film about beer seemed pretty fun so uh <laughs> we ended up choosing that one and um little did we know that the story would become this huge monster that we didn't even realize existed yeah well kudos to john decker i guess uh, you know they they do have there's very little local tv production going on at least that gets on our airwaves i don't i know there's production out there for industrial and and, and whatever use but um yeah, you know, for this thing morphed into a a six uh, half hour series, six uh, six episodes, uh, thirty minutes each, that premiered Thursday night, and um, so that's you know three what is it two hours? <laughs> that's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot of stuff. But um, anyway, I know your film triggered the whole concept with with uh, for John Decker to try this out, and then but but it's essentially, it's you. And let's give kudos to your your uh, your crew as well. Yeah, I work with uh, three other people. Uh, Stephen Moore, he's our editor and cinematographer. He's been slaving over this project and uh, really really helping us make it what it is. And then uh, Rayanne Dupont is our producer and. 
Eduardo Fonseca is our associate producer and uh, social media guru. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this project really wouldn't have happened if we all didn't come together uh, in college and uh, start kind of our production company and uh, get this going. And um, everyone's been putting in so much work to make it what it is that can't say enough good things about them. Yeah. I saw the premiere episode uh, Thursday night. Now, is that going to be viewable online as well? Um, yeah, right now uh, you can go to kpbs.com uh, and you can watch o- it. .org. Yeah. Uh, yes, yeah. <laughs> .org. You can watch it in on their video player. And also if you have Apple TV or Roku or anything, the PBS app uh, will allow you to uh, get our show as well. Okay. And then all six episodes, eventually you'll be able to see them all like that, right? Yeah. Well, congratulations, Ben, you know, for a graduate uh, to get a job right out of school and, and, uh, and get a major program, on, and they are promoting the heck out of it. So I've been he- been hearing Ray Ann on radio and you, and, and, and uh, with, I want to give you an opportunity. And, and uh, just so congratulations, and, and thank you for being here today, okay? Thank you. Thank you for having All me. All right. Dan, let's take our little break All right now. We'll come right back to more of It's Your Money and Your Life with our next guest, Ford Winslow. Hang on. We are back with Ford Winslow, Chief Risk Officer over at Centrex IT. I know that all sounds very convoluted and diabolical and uh, complicated, but we'll figure that all out. Anyway, Ford, welcome to our show. Thank you, Joe. Thanks for having me. (laughs) This guy's got a great radio voice, too. He's starting to scare me. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, Ford's... um, Full disclosure, actually, I know both these gentlemen. I've known them for a while, so, uh, you know, we are friends. But um, born in Maryland, grew up in Atlanta, then went back to Maryland for University of Maryland for school, correct? Yes, sir. And then uh, you left high school early to go off to college, and then you left college early early to start your career. And, um, you know, you followed the Bill Gates path of, uh, you know, what do they call it, the quick the quick track or whatever you call it, <laughs> express, express lane to success, I suppose. But um, maybe you could go through the whole logic and reasoning. I mean, you saw opportunities pop up and say, I got to grab this now. Is that what happened? Or? Yeah, I was fairly bored with, uh, with things. <laughs> and, and I wouldn't recommend that path to anybody um, listening, but it's, uh, it's worked out okay. Mm-hmm. I'm just really following my passions. Well, that's, you know, if you could discover what you want to do early, early, sooner rather than later, you know, your, your odds of success probably go up being the risk officer that you are, right? <laughs> you want to assess risk. Yeah. That's about right. They wouldn't let me uh, near any any reactors in uh, in high school, so I had to go to some place with a physics program. And then, uh, you know, computer science, we were we were doing interesting things, but not anything really meaningful at uh, Maryland. So it was uh, time to go run a business. It was yeah. fun. So uh, you you jumped out of that. You got into the pizza wars in uh, in Washington D.C. and tell us how that turned out. Oh man, that was a lot of fun. There was a uh, uh, you might remember some of the the Domino's, Pizza Hut, Papa John's uh, advertising wars that were going on and lawsuits that got to the Supreme Court. Wow, I didn't we really were, realize all that. We were front and center in all of that. And uh, was it mostly focused in the D.C. market? Is that yeah. where? Yeah. Wow. What were they suing each other over? It was just uh, stealing the, uh, d- d- advertising and, mm-hmm. and using each other's brands and, and implying brands and advertising across oh, across things, and like, that, that sort of was some like landmark, cri- like criticizing their brand on your commercials and all that. And all. Absolutely, that just happened recently in another uh, something. Uh, some other. Mm-hmm. Anyway, well, that's cool. So you uh, you are opening, I guess, ran about ten restaurants then, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was, how was the Papa John Domino's pizza? I don't even know how it's. Uh, 
you know, who's dominating what. Uh, you know, I don't know anymore, but uh, one of the, 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 the lasting lessons from that was quality. And it was really about, uh, um, you know, putting a good product and good customer service out on the street. And that's uh-huh. something that stayed with me forever mm-hmm. um, since then and, and into IT and in, in other things. I remember Domino's, you had that guaranteed there in 30 minutes, and then they started having car accidents, and then they had, they had to stop that. That's right. right. You know, they're speeding. But uh, interesting. But then you made this quantum leap to Freddie Mac, and uh, you know how did that? And you're you're now you're you're running the IT for Freddie Mac. I mean that must have been quite well, a thing. Running the IT is maybe a little generous. There was a thousand IT people there, and oh uh, and, and we had a, a huge budget to do amazing things. But uh, not to know, mention Fannie Mae, right? Yeah, Jeez. wow. Uh, we were the little 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 brother of Fannie Mae. Yeah. And, um, but but it exposed me to a uh, hundred uh, securities buyers and sellers and, and really the IT that was required and the big data requirements around that um, to create mortgage-backed security products and to auction these off on a global scale and to, and so to deal it, what, with billions what year, of mortgages. What, what year did you start there, just for perspective? Uh, 99. Wow. Okay. So you were there for the mm-hmm. the uh, the upward ramp. Mm-hmm. Um, boy. And, and, so, and yeah. that was Northern Virginia, the dot bubble, uh, you know, Silicon Valley East at that time. So it's an exciting time to be in, in technology. Yeah. Did everyone have a sense, though, that things were just getting out of whack, out of control? I mean, uh, you know, from from uh, 99, 2000 up to the, the the bursting of the bubble. And, you know, I, I, I can't speak for everyone, but for me, it's certainly there was some some just gross displays of uh, of money being spent. And it was just it seemed unsupportable. Yeah, it was a, certainly a bubble that everybody knew something was going to happen. Yeah. Interesting. And and. Just in a nutshell, uh, Freddie Mac, Fannie Mae, is there, what is the real distinction between the two, is, or is there any? You, you know, um, as far I, as I, I'm not uh, – I, I know Freddie Mac dealt with uh, – uh, could not deal with jumbo loans. Okay. And there was a multifamily requirement there as well. So there okay. was, uh, they were sort of on the smaller end, and, and, okay. and Fannie Mae could deal with jumbos. Gotcha. Okay. Cause I'm there's thinking, I'm there's a lot more to it than that, but that's my simple uh, okay. explanation. Good, because we don't want to spend too much time <laughs> on that. But, but – um, so when a thousand employees doing IT, that so that must have been a huge organization. How many total? You would just say it was only forty five hundred. Only, <laughs> yeah, you know, for for DC, that's not not too big. Yeah, true. Uh, but that was a, a sign of what the commitment was to technology and how you could make money on technology. That that fully almost a quarter of the company was dedicated to IT. Wow, that's, that's unbelievable. So then you were recruited to head IT for a company called Sengart. It's a San Diego biotech startup. Mm-hmm. What did they do? And uh, we were making a uh, uh, colloquial, colloquially known as a blood uh, blood substitute. Okay. So it was a uh, um, artificial blood, if you will. All right. Are and they still around? Did they get absorbed? Or no, it was a uh, it was unfortunate. They they raised about three hundred fifty million, and then uh, uh, now the intellectual property sold off, and, and hopefully it will be developed. But uh, but didn't make it to market, unfortunately. So they bled to death. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, that happens. You know, that's not to, to be cynical or negative because, you you know, you can only succeed if you fail. And, uh, you know, no, no one knew that more than Thomas Edison and a lot of people, right? I mean, you have mm-hmm. to... You have to keep trying, uh, trying things in this innovative, rapid, innovative environment we're in. You know, they're coming and going left and right, and you know what hits and what doesn't, and and then you just move on. So, mm-hmm. but uh, so after IT there at Sangar, then you raised three hundred fifty million dollars for a small R and D group. Um, 
what was that all about? That was Sangart. That uh, oh, and, same thing. And, okay, and we our company raised three hundred fifty million in uh, investor money there. Oh, right. And then you got into medical devices around hospitals. Is that, is that the same company? Yeah, um, my my role there really was to chase medical devices around hospitals and uh, research facilities with a, a laptop and a USB cable, trying to harvest data. Ah, um, okay. Yeah. Well, that's big in the in the healthcare field today even right which mm-hmm. we're gonna i know it's very relevant to what you're even doing now so and then you went over to europe for clinical trials with all this with the company too huh mm-hmm. wow well clinical trials that's a very i mean if, if folks are looking for a growth industry or something to get into as, as a college graduate whatever that's uh it's a pretty interesting field and uh you know there is there is uh some capital there because i know a lot of people are looking for Good jobs all the time, right? And then salaries are getting harder and harder to come by, right? Mm-hmm. But, um, and then let's see, this Life Sciences Information Technology Global Institute. That's <laughs> a mouthful. And you, you were lead author on six books. Wow, mm-hmm. this is amazing. About a thousand pages of text, guidance of life science. And wow. So you're not, it takes a lot to write a book, right? I- yeah, that was sort of a passion project, and, and uh, it really was about um, – we looked around the industry, and nobody really knew how to do IT well for, for life sciences and heavily regulated companies. Mm-hmm. We did a survey uh, as part of that group. We asked 1,000 companies um, how to do IT correctly, and we got 999 different answers. Um, so we realized there was a need for this, and, and um, uh, we were able to collaborate with uh, FDA regulators um, uh, and industry to really come up with a playbook for, um, for how to do trusted information technology um, in life sciences. So you cover things like security, infrastructure, the cloud, validation, mm-hmm. risk management, all the stuff, training. It's uh, pretty comprehensive. Yeah. How many people worked on that with you? Just one book? I mean, those things must have taken months and months, huh? Yeah, years. I mean, that was yeah. a, uh, about an eight-year project to get all those books written and, and out. And there was, uh, I don't know, probably 100 people total involved in that, in that project. So I guess you were also became a speaker and a lecturer. You had to go around mm-hmm. and kind of establish yourself as an expert in the field. And that's the way to do it, folks. Yep. I mean, you know, you write a book and get out there and, uh, you know, you, you become an authority in your field. And, and next thing you know, uh, companies like Centrex will be the path to your door. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Say yes to a lot of stuff and good things happen. And then you co-founded Abnology, which uh, after that, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that's, I guess, why you're writing the books. Yeah. And then, um, let's see, you know, so you joined Centrex in 2014, of course, mm-hmm. with our good friend, uh, Eric Rockwell, who is with the COO or the president? CIO, CIO. and president, yeah. Okay. Chief Information Officer mm-hmm. and your chief resource. officer. So how did you uh, discover them or did they discover you? Uh, we knew each other for a long time uh, uh, as competitors in, in, in San Diego um, when, uh, with Abnology and, and Centrex IT, and it just became the right, the right thing for us to join forces and uh, um, and start working together. Yeah. Well, that company's uh, amazing. I mean, the growth is just uh, in- incredible. And mm-hmm. um, anyway, let's take our little break. We'll talk more about the birth of Centrex and their amazing growth uh, right after this. Hang on. We are back in the second half of the award-winning It's Your Money and Your Life, and this is the time where we thank our sponsors. Richard usually does that, but it's my job tonight. So we'd like to thank UBS and uh, Drew Friedis, Michael Caranta, for all their great support. Uh, UBS uh, helps individuals maintain their high net worth. And uh, Berkeley Research Group, and they are really great in valuation of businesses. And Carl Sheeler, he's a genius. He's been on this show a few times 
and he'll be on again. Cost segregation initiatives and Joe Grushkin helping improve cash flow to real estate owners all over the country. Polito Epic, one of the great accounting firms up in uh, San Marcos now. they got a great new office. Uh, Paul Polito, Don Epic, love those guys. Jason Kruger, Signature Analytics, growing leaps and bounds. I think they have a new office in Denver or someplace. Uh, they're just great in terms of uh, consulting you on your businesses, and they are more or less a uh, four-hire CFOs, so you could save money on your startup by getting a hold of those guys. The Geiger Law Office, great with uh, improving your estate planning, and uh, we'll have uh, uh, Brenda Geiger on very soon again. And the California Republic Bank and Lane Elliott, not all, you know, all, don't put all the lump, all the big banks in the same category. Uh, these community banks are excellent. And uh, if you need some financial help for your business, uh, Lane Elliott is a good person to get hold of. Lombardi Group is another great sponsor. And Mars Maddox and Associates, formerly Hub International, great in the in the field of insurance and healthcare, in a very complicated field. And then. Uh, also, Paul Hines and Ending Elder Abuse Alliance, uh, they're another great sponsor. We'd like to thank them. And Courtney Lover, who does our website and great design work for us. Also, I'd like to thank Gina Champion Kane and the Patio Restaurant Group. She has great locations in Pacific Beach on Lamont and also Goldfinch for hosting us at the Padres game the other night. And these two gentlemen and uh, their guests were also uh, joined us uh, Unfortunately, the Padres didn't win, but uh, if you get to go see a game like that, uh, everybody's a winner that night. Wouldn't you guys agree on that? Absolutely. Okay. Anyway, get let's get back to Ford. And uh, where did we last leave off, Ford? We were talking about what? The um, oh, uh, founding Centrex. So mm-hmm. um, you guys discovered each other. Well, tell us in a nutshell what Centrex does. And I, and I know there's private cloud computing is uh, mm-hmm. your, your specialty in a, in, in a nutshell, but... Yeah, we uh, we own and operate a, a private cloud for uh, highly regulated companies here in San Diego and, and in Phoenix, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and where we host data and, and do analytics and things like that for clients. Uh, and then we are a managed service provider, so that means we're an outsourced IT shop where we uh, augment existing IT organizations um, to help companies really realize their their business goals, so they don't have to worry about keeping track of PCs and, and computers and making sure their software runs correctly. And it's probably more economical for them. Not, not only is a better better service, more secure, but more economical. Correct? Absolutely, a better outcome for them all around. Yeah, there you go. So uh, obviously, you have um, well, it's not that obvious to the listeners out there, but you have a lot of healthcare clients, and mm-hmm. you, so you bring a lot of expertise with you to the company, right? Which is why they they probably found well, yes. recruited you. But uh, so, give us an idea of how many companies that you have right now and i know you're growing by leaps and bounds right I'm- we are we're, we're on, a, on a fast growth pace, pace we uh we take care of about uh, 65 companies right now and, and uh two-thirds of those are healthcare and life sciences companies hmm. um, so we really focus on 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 those uh, that proportion of the, of the community here in San Diego. And I understand you guys are pretty selective in whom you choose to to work with, right? I mean, not everybody can can walk in the front door and say, hey, take over my IT. They have to meet your criteria. Huh? That's right. We take great care in, in who we work with um, because we, we really respect those outcomes. And there's a lot of ways to do IT wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so we, we just take great pride in doing it correctly and, and finding good partners. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just like to make the distinction because everyone's heard of the cloud, and of course, the nightmare a few months ago where people's private information got out into the into the uh, cyber space, and 
you guys are into private cloud computing versus public cl cloud computing, which is uh, much more secure, right? That's correct. We, we build clouds specifically for clients' needs to their specifications, um, secure them based on their regulatory needs and their, and their privacy needs. Um, and then monitor and manage those with the client as partner uh, over the life of the, the So I can imagine any company that's developing IP, you know, or, you know something that needs to be patented, uh, they need to be very, very careful about communications within the company and making mm -hmm. sure nothing leaks outside that. I even know I took a tour of the company. I've even noticed that uh, all the laptops uh, you guys keep a very tight, uh, tight control on the laptops that everybody has, right? Absolutely, that's <laughs> been one of the biggest breach sources for for companies out there in healthcare is is a, a stray laptop with with uh, health records on it just being mm -hmm. lost. Mm -hmm. um, so we make sure they're encrypted. We inventory them and, and treat that very seriously. And I hope they do too. I, I I think I heard was it Warren Buffett or somebody? They left a laptop at a conference or something, and it was remember that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I hope these people are. <laughs> you know, there ought to be a kill switch or something. Maybe uh, maybe they're working on this. If if it goes missing, that you can remotely destroy everything on. Is that is we that, can do that? Really? Absolutely. We're <laughs> <laughs> getting like Mission Impossible here, right? It's getting pretty uh, pretty sophisticated. Absolutely. If, somebody, if some employee says, "Hey, my my iPad is missing," or I mean, my uh, my laptop's missing. You guys can just blow it up from uh, good. I think that's. I think that'll save some uh, some issues for for some companies. I would think. We hope but, that becomes the new norm. I mean, really, that's what we need to do uh, to protect uh, intellectual property and protect people's people's privacy. Yeah, it's important stuff. Yeah, that is amazing. Now, a lot of people should know that uh, you know people in the IT sphere and in the high tech sphere. Uh, you know, you know, they have other talents. I know you were a professional musician, as was Eric <laughs> before he got into this stuff. And you probably still love music and, and whatever. But um, tell us some of your. I know you love golf, music, and, and, and cars. But <laughs> um, but you played in bands and symphonies and, and everything else. I mean, this is quite a quite a remarkable background. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I had a um, early on in my life. I had a, a career path to choose to go into music or go into uh, science, and I, I chose science because I, I like to eat and um, you know reliably. <laughs> um, but music is still a passion, and and uh, you know played in lots of little bands and and uh, you know just played in in bars and clubs and different things uh, uh, from Washington D.C. to here in San Diego. Uh, for the past 20 years, and I just love it. But no, you played in the in the pit orchestra. So, what were yeah. some of those shows? It's, you know, the uh, that um, just blows me away that we have bands under the stage and or orchestras under the stage, and how they sync all the sound with what's going on over their heads. That was so much fun to play the, the percussion in the uh, in the pits. Uh, you know, there's there's you know maybe a dozen musicians, and you have to cover you know maybe 30 or 40 different parts. Um, so you're running from one one instrument to another and, and watch coordinate what's going on on stage with the conductor and and the uh, uh, you know everybody and it, it's just so it's such a dynamic fun there environment. There must be TV monitors down there though, aren't mm -hmm. there? So you can see what I mean. Absolutely. If you're supposed to clash the cymbal when he drops the cup or whatever, and uh, you know if yeah. you miss the timings off, it's not going to work. So uh. <laughs> it turns into improv pretty quickly. Yeah. <laughs> I was at a show at the Globe once, and this uh, remotely controlled thing on wheels was supposed to, you know, go across the straight stage, and it got stuck, and and whatever. And the kid or the actor just ad libbed something, and the and the audience just went crazy. They they just love the fact that you know you just got to go with it, right? And and uh, very interesting. So. Um, Anyway, let's see. What else can we talk about here? I know uh, Centrex is – give us some of the, the early growth. I mean, it was founded when? Uh, it was founded almost 13 years ago. We began our 13th year in July. Mm -hmm. um, and it was around – it started in the, in the very early days just fixing computers for, for companies and doing, doing what we could for uh, uh, 
to, to help individuals. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, now we have almost 40 employees. We've, we've grown tremendously. We've been uh, one of the fastest growing companies in San Diego for uh, for several years, and we hope to to be the fastest small, growing small company in San Diego this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's just it's it's growing leaps and bounds. It's uh, beyond our expectations. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty. It's not a fast graph, uh, fast track growth path for mm-hmm. sure. Um, maybe talk a little bit about when we come back from our break, we'll talk a little bit more about the, uh, the lounge that you guys built. It's <laughs> a lot of fun and the craft beer. And we'll get Ben back into the discussion a little bit. We'll be right back with Ford Winslow from Centrix IT right after this. Hang on. All right. We're back with Ford Winslow, chief risk officer over at Centrix IT talking all about, uh, computer industry private cloud computing and all that um, I know you recently gave a well let's talk about the lounge a little bit I know you guys put in a wonderful ac- across the parking lot you put in and you're right by Chargers Park by the way folks with kind of a neat location um, you put in a lounge why did you guys do that it's, be- it's a beautiful room it's got pool tables ping pong I guess get, let people get out there and mm-hmm. blow some steam and uh, get out of the office for a few minutes uh, in the morning, in the afternoon, right? Yeah, we uh, um, we needed to expand. We're growing. We needed some more space for our people. And uh, building a cube farm or a training room or something like that seemed uh, less interesting than building a, a lounge where we could uh, we could have some training. We could get together. We could have ad hoc meetings, that sort of thing, mm-hmm. um, and, and really give back to our employees. Um, you know, we it is a competitive environment in, in uh, San Diego for IT talent, and uh, and so those are things we have to do to create a great workplace for our people. Mm-hmm. I noticed you guys all wear shirts and ties, and I like that because uh, you know the you see. <laughs> I know when the first wave of of uh, dot coms came up, you have these young kids uh, in blue jeans and open collars and uh, coming into uh, board meetings, mm-hmm. and it just. Uh, I mean, you guys take your stuff seriously, huh? It's uh, yeah. We try to bring some uh, some real credibility to the, to the art of IT. Uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the days of scary talent. Um, Working on your your computer are kind of gone in my mind. Um, uh, we have to bring some professionalism to this mm-hmm. if people are going to trust their their technology. Mm-hmm. Well, especially the field you guys are in. I mean, it's uh, you know the the highest of security for uh, important businesses and um, trust yeah. is paramount. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So, um, but I noticed over there, not only do you have the ping pong tables and pool tables and uh, and some nice uh, relaxing tables uh, tables and chairs to sit at, but uh, you have an employee who makes the craft beer for you guys, right? Sean Ernst. Uh. <laughs> yeah, Sean's great. He's a, a fellow Maryland uh, uh, native, and uh, uh, he's passionate about beer just like the rest They're of us. They're making in-house craft beer for their – and you guys have a, also a break room where you have you provide, all, I guess, a lot of uh, food food items for everybody as well, which is kind of nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wish more – more small companies. I wish all companies would 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 uh, would take better care of that way. But uh, so, what's Sean brewing up this time around? Because I know he makes what a keg at a time, or yeah, about five gallons at a time of uh-huh. uh, of craft beer, and, and we have a, a a brown going right now. Uh-huh. Um, and I I'm not sure what the next one is. It's either an IPA or, or there may be a blonde out there. I'm not sure. <laughs> Well, whenever you guys are ready to tap that, we'll get uh, we'll get Ben over there to to sample that and and, uh, and give his opinion on the beer. I did I saw it in the corner it was covered. You got to keep it covered or dark or mm-hmm. something for a certain amount of time, right? That's right. I'm I'm not the expert brewer, but uh, yeah. I, and I I uh, certainly benefit from the uh, the activity. And so, man, when you made the movie, the the uh, the home brew uh, mart, did you uh, did you get into the, any aspects of that? Because like, are, are more people brewing at home? Oh, there's that's some, almost where every uh, brewer starts out is home brewing. So, mm-hmm. um, as this industry's grown, there's been more and more home brewers. I yeah. myself was a, a home brewer. Um, really? Yeah, and it's still I'm still doing it. It's a it's a long it's a long process to see your beer come into to 
something drinkable, but it's fine. <laughs> well, I know you have to. It, it, you have to have very sterile conditions. Got to be ultra clean, right? It's all about mm-hmm. being clean. I, I knew. I only knew one person who who made his beer, and he was just, uh, you know, he loved it and giving out his gifts and whatever, and it's kind of cool. So we'll have to get some Centrex IT beer. Get your brand on there, Hans. Huh? <laughs> we love it. <laughs> Now, you recently gave a talk on big data down at Lightwave. Is that the name of the company, Lightwave? AIS, data centers. Oh, AIS, I'm sorry. Yep. It's on Lightwave as the street. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you had some very poignant po- uh, uh, bullet points in that, in that discussion. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about it, what you were, ta- were discussing? Yeah, the talk was, uh, was sort of a practical approach to big data and how we might use it um, really, really immediately and, and how we could approach these projects. I mean, there's a lot of uh, misunderstanding about it out there, and people really don't know where to start with it. Um, and so we started talking about some of the, uh, the drivers about why, why big data is important, because we're generating more data than ever now. Um, it's the storage costs and ability to retain the data is dropping. Um, and there's access to, to new bandwidth, and then this this thing, this uh, movement called the Internet of Things, is generating mm-hmm. um, uh, m- just massive amounts of data, and it's going to continue that way. Mm-hmm. So big data is the new norm, um, and thinking about how do we really start taking some economic benefit out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, the numbers out there that I, I, um, I've been able to, to research are that uh, we're going to add 15 trillion dollars to the global global GDP in the next uh, 20 years. That's amazing because the global GDP right now, I believe, is somewhere in the neighborhood of sixty trillion, or just shy of that. So that's pretty significant. So that's a that, you know that yeah. that's a twenty five percent increase. Yeah. Um, in the overall GDP, that's check, amazing to me. Yeah, but check my math, folks. I don't know Google that. I'm not, but from my recollection, but that's amazing. That mm-hmm. uh, and then what we were talking about a little this, about this at the break. Uh, how are they going to do this? And you say that they're just going to give out devices in order to get data. And yeah, the, uh, the the trend in the in the industry is that that the data is worth more than the device that generates it. Um, uh-huh. you, you're seeing these things like the uh, the Fitbit, the Nest uh, thermostat controller, mm-hmm. um, eye health things that are you know your intelligence uh, scale in your house, and these things that are coming down to about a hundred bucks mm-hmm. um, or even less. And and people are starting to find ways to monetize the data coming off of them. Huh. And saying that they're they're willing to give you a device if you're willing to give them your data, um, and that's the that's the genesis for all this new GDP that's going to be created. That's amazing. So there's going to be companies. Out, so it's just harvesting the data and repackaging and using this for for what per marketing purpose, sales purposes. It, uh, you know, one of the the emerging sectors is a uh, um, let's call it in life sciences. We use that as an example is digital therapeutics, mm-hmm. and that's the idea that that for instance your Fitbit or your Microsoft Band or whatever you can uh, uh, the data coming off of that someone's going to find a way to um, write a program that will tell you how to live your life better or give you a prescriptive um, uh, path for for health. Mm-hmm. Um, out of that data, and and so that a company that doesn't make a medical product, they don't provide any direct care services. It's a software product um, that's that's geared towards your health. Hmm. That's it's a new sector coming out in in life sciences right now called digital therapeutics. Well, I know our friend Rod Roddenberry, who was a guest on the show. He I believe he's one of the funders of the ten million dollar X Prize that Qualcomm uh, put out there. They were trying to, to develop a tricorder, which they used to do in the, the original Star Treks, where they wave this little device in front of your body to try to take uh, medical readings or uh, readings related to health. And now they're actually doing it, or I'm not sure where mm-hmm. they are in the process, but. Anyway, just to back up a little bit here, the global GDP in 2012 has been estimated about 74, 73 and a half trillion. So I was pretty close. So pretty close. <laughs> it's probably a little <laughs> bit above that right now. 
So that's a good guess. Mm-hmm. So I am somewhat well read, but uh, <laughs> so the other the other interesting fact out of this was uh, uh, so we have about four and a half billion um, internet connected devices today on the planet. Huh. In the next five years, that number will grow to forty billion. Oh my gosh! <laughs> that is the Internet of Things, and that's the challenge we face as a, a data economy and also as a, uh, from security perspective because these devices need to be secured. They can't be used to uh, uh, if they're not secured, they can be used to launch attacks into your home, into your business, um, in ways that, that we haven't thought of yet. I guess security is the next big growth field as well. It's got to you know, along with that, right? Yeah, we've been in IT. We've been saying that, that this is the year for security for the last 20 years or as long as I've been in, in mm-hmm. IT. Um, and I think actually this year and the next 24 months actually will show some great uh, – uh, that, that'll take hold. Well, uh, the, the 40 billion, the growth from 4.5 to 40 billion, where do they see most of that occurring? Asia? Um, Middle East. Um, actually, you, the U.S., Europe. I mean, all the, uh, the the major economies around the around the globe. North America, um, South America. I guess all of mm-hmm. that. Huh? Wow. I mean, you know, in the U.S., it's going to be uh, uh, your smart uh, scale, your smart refrigerator, your Fitbit, your uh, your smart thermostat in your home. Um, hmm. you know, your everything will become internet enabled. And well, you did something for the city of San Diego. Tell us about that. I know you did uh, with the lights, right? Well, that was, uh, uh, the city has, um, we, we get to collaborate with lots of different folks, including some, some folks from the city, and they've, uh, um, we now have a smart grid of, of uh, streetlights uh, downtown. And mm-hmm. Many people don't know it, but it's, uh, these are internet connected devices that are, that create a grid to create the, uh, the optimal power consumption for our our streetlights. So, did you do that with Semper or with the city? Or I wish I could take credit for it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is a uh, this is a project that's done by the city and and uh, um, uh, by the, by Gary Gary Hayslip is one of the guys down there at the the chief information security officer for the city. Brilliant guy, mm-hmm. um, and really working on the the how do we secure that so mm-hmm. we can't use our smart light bulbs as an attack point into uh, city systems. Yeah. The other thing is, uh, I mean, we did have that power outage a few years ago. That was kind of scary. How to secure the grid because. Uh, I understand that you know that that can be a problem, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> yeah, we've been had some collaborations with uh, with Sempra in the city about uh, uh, mocking up um, these these types of attacks mm-hmm. and really how do we protect our infrastructure? I'm of the I'm suspicious. You know, I I can't believe one person caused caused that much damage, but uh, that's just me. And I don't know if we ever got the official word, but mm-hmm. anyway, want to thank you, gentlemen, for being on. Ben Moxley, director of KPBS's show Kings of the Craft premiered last thursday night and uh, for the next five thursdays get out there and enjoy that and get over to pbs.org if you want to uh, see the rest of that ford winslow centrex it chief risk officer thank you very much for being here and uh, it was great having you guys at the ball game the other night thanks to dan noon our soundboard operator for making us sound good and also thanks to craig blanky our con executive and to dave smith our programming genius here at kfmb richard you have a safe travels with uh, demi and getting back here to san diego from San Jose State. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you next time on It's Your Money and Your Life. Get over to iMyMoney.com for all the podcasts. Good night now.